The night before the crucifixion of Jesus, he sat at a table with his disciples to share a meal together. They ate, they drank, they had great conversations. But this was more than just an ordinary meal. It was part of the Passover festival. And it was the Passover meal where Jesus would share his last Passover with his disciples. Now, the Passover was a great time where all of the people of Jesus, the Israelites, would gather in Jerusalem to recognize and anchor themselves in the provision of God throughout their history. It took them back to the knowledge that God had taken them from slavery to freedom, from oppression to joy, parting the waters of the Red Sea and setting on a path towards the promised land that God had provided for them. And so the people of God would anchor themselves in the truth of that provision. Now, at this table, the night before Jesus' crucifixion, he would take this idea of Passover and bring new definition to it. The idea that God has provided would now find its highest definition in who Jesus was as the Son. And it would all be through his redeeming work upon the cross. Now, around the, around the crucifixion, there were three symbols that Jesus used to identify himself. Bread, wine, and oil. And each of those symbols carried with them a sacrifice. That Jesus' body, like bread, would be broken. That his blood, like wine, would be poured out for us. And like the olive of the branch, he would be pressed in order to produce oil. You know, in the garden before Jesus' arrest, he prayed and he suffered, confronted with the knowledge of the sacrifice that he would lay out before us all. That word Gethsemane means an olive press and it captured the pressure the brokenness, the pouring out that Jesus would experience upon the cross. Now, here's the great picture where the table comes back front and center, that Jesus poured out himself, allowed his body to be broken, experienced the great pressure of the crucifixion, simply so we could take our seat at his table. Here's how Jesus began to describe it to his disciples in Matthew 26 and verse 26. And I'd love to read this scripture to you for a moment. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, the new covenant in Jesus, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So Jesus is beginning to communicate this new picture of God's provision in who he is and the forgiveness that he would bring, the grace that he would bring through his redemptive work on the cross and expressed here at the table. Now, there's a great pastor and author by the name of Robert Ferguson that reminded me of an incredible parallel in scripture that we find in the life of King David 
And we see his story in the Old Testament. Now, King David, in many ways, was a a precursor to the greater king that would come in King Jesus. And King David, for much of his life, experienced a great deal of conflict from the hands of the former king named Saul. Now, David and Saul began their relationship together with mutual love and affection for one another. David served Saul. They cared for one another. They loved one another. But then when Saul learned that David would take his place at king, as king, jealousy took his heart and he became angry towards David, began pursuing him, began trying to cause him pain. And for many years, this defined their relationship and their experience. But the thing that I love about King David in this story is that he never gave up on the hope of restored friendship between the two men. He never gave up that one day they could be reconciled. Now, tragically, that wasn't how the story ended. And Saul lost, lost his life before that relationship, that friendship could be fully mended and repaired. Now, many years later, David's kingdom now well established. David now an older man. His heart begins to dwell on his friendship with Saul again. And he desires to reconcile in however way he can with the family of Saul. So he begins searching for a relative of Saul. And eventually he finds a young man by the name of Mephibosheth. Now, Mephibosheth was crippled in his feet. He wasn't able to walk and life was difficult for him. And now Mephibosheth is being summoned to the court of King David. And he is terrified. He wonders why the great king of Israel would want to see him. He wonders why this great king amongst the nations would want to see the lowly Mephibosheth. Perhaps he wondered if David was carrying resentment towards him and his family. But nonetheless, he is brought to the king and stands now before King David. And I want to read to you another passage of scripture that follows this story from 2 Samuel. And here's how David responds to the young man in his presence. He says, don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness For the sake of your father, Jonathan, I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Now, David communicates three powerful things to the younger man here in this story. That he loves him, that he wants to restore to him what was his, what was Saul's, and that he invites him to eat at his table. So the young man responding to all of this now lives in Jerusalem with David and he eats at his table. And to follow on from that story, I want to show you the final verse in this passage that describes now the condition of Mephibosheth in the household of David. And here's what it says. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table every day at the table of the king. And he was crippled in both feet. Now, here's the picture that I love here, that the brokenness of Mephibosheth is forever covered by the table of the king, that his brokenness, that his weakness is covered by the table of the provision of King David. Now, there's a picture here that's far more profound and far more powerful in our own lives when we consider what Jesus and what the Father is doing at the place of the table through the Son. 
that God the Father invites us to take our seat at his table, to be reconciled to him and to sit down next to his own son, as Mephibosheth would have sat down next to David's own son at his table as well. That the table covers the brokenness, the table covers the weakness. And for us, we see in the words of Jesus at his Passover table, that it is through the forgiveness of God, through the Son, that anything that could separate me from God has been covered by his table of reconciliation. One of the great hopes of the story of Easter, of the story of the crucifixion and the story of the table of Christ is that we are invited to his table, that a seat has been prepared for you at the table of the king. And the invitation today is to simply receive that invitation and sit down at the table alongside Jesus, a table of restoration, a table of peace, a table of forgiveness and a table of grace. Just like the disciples and the people of Jesus would anchor themselves in the provision of God through the Passover meal, we too, given by Christ, have a meal to share in together so that we may anchor ourselves in the provision of God expressed ultimately through the Son. Now today we're going to do something really special. Throughout all of our homes, wherever you are and wherever you're tuning into this Good Friday message, that we're going to take communion with one another. Hopefully you've already had the opportunity to, to get some juice or a drink of some kind, to, to get some bread or something that represents that. And we're going to share in a meal together. And in a few moments, uh, our band is going to be playing an amazing song for you to just have a space of reflection. And I want to invite you to take the bread, to remember the body that was broken, to take the wine, to remember the life that was poured out, and then to do something else with those two symbols today as well that hopefully in the room where you're watching this morning, there's some kind of a table, maybe a coffee table, maybe a dining table, maybe a, a kitchen table, whatever it might be, that as you take those two symbols this morning in communion, keep a hand on that table in front of you and remember that through the sacrifice, the broken bread, the wine poured out, you have a seat at the table of the king. And today I want to invite you to take your place at his table, to anchor yourself in the provision of the cross through the giving of the son and the grace that is in his name. We're going to take communion together. Just before that, I'd love to pray for you. God, we thank you that you are the God who provides. And God, we recognize today that that provision ultimately is expressed in the giving of your son. God, I want to thank you for the picture of the table, the table where we can be reconciled to you, the table where we're invited to take our seat. And God, I want to thank you that your table covers any brokenness in me, that your table covers any weakness in me. And God, I want to thank you for your grace in my life. And I want to thank you for your grace in the life of every person, in every household, in every space. God, be with us as we share in this meal together. Amen.
to think 